Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. For those of you who are new to the Radio Islam family, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We're on every night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, uh, coming to you from the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois, and you have tuned in on a great night because this is kind of a relaxing night right that music that you hear in the background is kind of relaxing isn't it yes that's right so tonight is actually movie night right it's movie talk uh with my good friend bubba murray and before we get into that let me let you know the things that you need to know since this is your first time uh first of all you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media you will find us on facebook twitter and instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And you will also use that same username to find us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, if that's SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play, you will find us at Radio Islam USA. What is it? At Radio Islam USA. So that being said, uh, let's just let's just jump right in. Okay. Let me make sure that I have uh, Bubba's mic up and on. Bubba, let me get a mic check. Hello, how are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. I think I got you. All right. All right, good stuff, good stuff. All right, look here, Radio Sun family. Um, for your benefit, for your benefit, right? Because I know I know our regular listeners know already who Bubba is. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, you know that he is an award-winning writer, director hailing from Oak Park, Illinois. Actually, I think this is for my benefit. But it's for your on, benefit? Go on, <laughs> Are you sure it's your? Uh, no, it's not your <laughs> benefit. So, uh, yes, and his background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship, uh, writing for Desperate Housewives, uh, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. And most recently, his short film, Robox, won the Best Children's Film in the 2017 International Black Film Festival. Bubba serves as both lead content and social media director for Obama Task Force, but there's also another tidbit of information that I'm sure he would love to share with us, and that is you've got something coming up. Yes, uh, it, next week on the... July 13th, I have a short film called Awake, and it'll be showing, actually it will be premiering, it's 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 national premiere at the Windy City International Film Festival. Okay, all right. So please look it up, get tickets, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, and uh, obviously that that's an outdoor festival? Actually, this is an indoor festival, well, so if, even if it's really hot out, okay. it'll be nice and air-conditioned. And so the scenes in my, my uh, clip, or my uh, short film, is going to be showing uh, Friday evening. Okay. So, but again, just check out Windy City International Film Festival. They have tickets and everything online. And yes, it's inside in a nice, cool, air-conditioned theater. Well, that that's music to my ears. Um, I was, you know, I'm, I'm thinking we're into that season now. We got to taste Chicago, all the festivals uh, coming up, and everything's outdoors. So, that's well, good to hear that we're inside. But a, so after you get all tired of having your barbecues and running around playing in the fire hydrants outside come inside to the theater and relax with some fun short films okay good stuff now look here radio sound family tonight we are going to i mean we're taking it we're taking it easy but we're also talking about things that are substantive that matter right because we like to say i don't know if some anybody else has the the motto right if this is their tagline but uh they'll have to come and 
serve us with papers for stealing it, uh, but conversations that matter, right? So that's what we do. Even, even when they're fun conversations, they still matter. Um, that being said, uh, our news has been, uh, has been dominated by a lot of talk about uh, immigration, yes. uh, about um, children being separated from their, from their parents. Um, and right now, even after President Trump he kind of re he reversed, you know, he, he gave an executive order putting a halt to the uh, to the separation of families at the, at the border. But that still didn't do anything about the estimated 2,000 or more children that had already been separated from their families. So what we're talking about tonight is very much related to that. It's this idea of uh, the immigrant, how the immigrant is seen, and what better place to look at to start at than in film. And actually, uh, on that note, the genre I think that really does the best job of addressing those issues is science fiction. Yes. Because I think in both ways it helps you to identify with the person easier and still being able to take yourself out of it so you can look at it more objectively, which again allows you to tell a truer story. Mm -hmm. Now, you know what? We had we'd agreed we were going to talk about two films, but when you said that, I'm going to throw a curveball in there because I know you can hit it. All right. Um, this brings me back to before we, because first of all, the two films that we were going to talk about were um, are Bright. We'll talk about Bright. Right. Uh, and both of these you can see on Netflix, and the other is District 9. Yes. But before we get to those, we've got to talk about how uh, we are sensitized through the medium, through the genre mm -hmm. of science fiction, and what better film, what better TV series, uh, which became... A, a film movie uh, series uh, to talk about than Star Trek. You know, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think yeah. about the idea of different cultures and races and that whole, and then, then the Gene Roddenberry vision of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm more of a purist on this, so not the J.J. Abrams version, sure, but sure. Gene Roddenberry because that was really one of the issues that he focused on when he came up with that show about uh, racism and different cultures uh, working together. Because when you think of when the, sh if you think about it from the show, mm -hmm. and it started in the 60s when you had this, uh, the civil rights movement going on. So when you have these issues that were, that, that we take for granted now, mm -hmm. but you might have women in in positions of authority, interracial kiss, all these sort of yeah. things that they had that on that show, thing. that yeah. was mind blowing mm -hmm. uh, in in the in the '60s. So uh, that's that's a great place to start uh, or to springboard this sort of conversation. Yeah, and one of the things is within the, the 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 realm of science fiction, the differences can be made so vast, so so stark um, that it almost it almost makes the differences or the the walls that we put up between ourselves, when we classify ourselves uh, as human beings, it almost makes them seem ridiculous. Uh, because you, you're looking at a situation where you've got um, blobular, uh, <laughs> you know, you literally have a, a being that's a blob, uh -huh. right? It's a sentient being, but it's a blob. Or the, the forms, or even if they are sort of, humanoid 
but they could have figures that are uh, that are more insect. They could have features that are more insect-like, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. we could find revolting, yes. you know, to a degree. But you still you still see that these people are finding ways to uh, coexist and work together. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing. Once, once with, with those stories, when you get past the novelty, as you say, of, of the appearance, you're still always focused on the character and the intentions of that character. And that's what makes it so interesting. It, because you might, again, we have uh, an insidious-looking creature. Right. We, we have things like, you know, a predator or aliens. But, but the fun part of a movie, especially in science fiction, is, again, what is their intention? Are they really... They're, are they misunderstood, or, uh, and and then the characters want to help them attain their goal, or get home, or or, or, or find that piece of equipment that's going to save their civilization. Right. Uh, uh, but uh, so many times those stories are uh, or are guided by this I, this misinterpretation of of the want, so just a misunderstanding, and most in a I'm sorry, but. That usually happens visually when you first see a creature, and that's right. just part of again part of the fun, part of the storytelling of getting beyond uh, the surface and yeah. getting deep into that intention of whatever that person wants. You know what's really interesting is I'm thinking about you know my recollection of watching Star Trek, um, you know as as a kid. I don't recall many, um, if any, I don't recall many. Uh, representations of children uh, throughout the stories. Uh, it seems that the the vast majority were uh, were what we would consider to be adults. I may have I'm I'm, I'm trying to bring to mind. Well, there I may think, have been a few episodes. Well, think? I think it depends on which Star Trek you're talking about. For the original, the original, the original. Yeah. Well, no, no. I aside from. I think there was an episode where there was just a childlike being who was a god and then just that. wreaked havoc on everyone. Yeah. Uh, which seemed to be a theme. They have that in, in Twilight Zone and everything, just the, the mad child king. Right. There weren't a whole lot, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of that in the original Star Trek. And see, the reason I bring that up is once again, we're sensitized to deal with uh, people that we feel, and as an adult, Right there is an assumption of of agency, uh, uh, of ability to protect oneself or speak up for oneself, uh, that that comes along with that, and that's not present when we look at children, right? So uh, it, it's fortunate that uh, Gene Roddenberry in that Star Trek universe uh, that the depictions that we were given of of, of aliens mm -hmm. were generally it allowed us to allowed us to see some some humanity uh, in them and it wasn't that they were just being cast off as just evil bloodsuckers or you know um, um, enemies but but then when they moved on to actually to the next generation when you say that mm -hmm. I feel like they did a, a really good job and this is, these are the ones that are in the 80s right. of introducing children you had from what I remember you had, Wesley Crusher, played by the actor Will Wheaton, who was yeah. who was basically on the bridge. Right. Eventually, got on the bridge. So you had a a young adult. You later on in the episodes, you had Worf, who was one of my favorite characters, who was a Klingon. His son came on. So you have this idea of this this absentee father now getting back into his son's life and only concerned about honor. 
but he's also a very gruff, stern person. You've got this kid who's got this rage in him. So how do you be a strong and demanding father, but still have a, a soft hand when it comes to a, a six-year-old? Now, granted, it's a, or a five- or six-year-old Klingon, but still, uh, when you talk about the agency or, or being able to protect the child, they still had those themes going on because you had parents of these children who, oh, who no matter what, they will turn on the crew right. in order to protect the child. And I know Picard would never put a child in a cage. I'm just telling you. It's the truth. I'm, or Janeway. No, definitely not uh, Cisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them would have, would have done that. Um, uh, when I also think about how the the Star Trek universe has as it's had different iterations and has continued, it's introduced different layers of uh, of family um, and uh, and relationships. That it also had to have a. I guess a corollary, corollary or, or parallel, if you will, in in our real world, in our real world yeah. uh, society. Um, for you, what do you think? What do you think the image that people had of uh, of immigrants at that time, from the from the very beginning, uh, have have you seen a, a change um, from yeah from from the beginning up through say like uh, up through I don't want to. I don't want to pull out Cisco or anyone in particular, but well, I'll say uh, okay. If I'm thinking about just specific episodes, and I'm I'm really gonna have to focus on the second iteration, okay, uh, where that that '80s to mid '90s mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek, uh, again the Next Generation, the Deep Space Nines. With those, I felt that when they showed immigrants or 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 people who were being oppressed. Uh, there was empathy and sympathy towards their plight. Mm-hmm. And because of what Gene Roddenberry's Federation stood for, of which was about, uh, I mean, it's actually kind of socialist, where it's there should be no famine, there should be uh, no want for basic material needs. You should have access to education, you should have access to safety. You would see that the Federation who who is portrayed by, you know, our Picards, these characters we know, would always fight to to help these individuals. And so they looked at, they saw themselves as caretakers. Right. And not necessarily, they didn't see these people as a burden. At worst, I felt they might have seen these people as, they might have pitied them and gone into that savior complex if you're looking at it in a negative type of way. Yeah. But I didn't feel like they saw most of these people as a threat. I, the way this universe seemed to work was you go in with the best intentions and then and then if they turn on you, you are prepared for this through your training, but it's you try to be diplomatic and empathetic first. Right. Using force and intimidation is as a last resort and so that's when you have characters that might be more intimidating those are like it would be like a kirk because his character from the earlier star trek was sort of was perceived as the maverick Uh, so he might act first 
So when you have the 80s, you have the, a Picard who is more thoughtful. Uh, and then, and then, as you know, I, you can guess I've watched a lot of these episodes. <laughs> as, as you morph through those 80s, you really got into this idea of, of immig- immigrants and people who are oppressed when you got into Deep Space Nine. Because the the story behind Deep Space Nine, it was one of the first ones where they weren't going out someplace. They were stationed in a planet that had just been under an occupation. Mm-hmm. And they were for and the Federation with the representative of Cisco, he was to help bring the Bajorans who had been under the thumb of the uh, Cardassian. The, not the Kardashians, the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, the, the evil Kim Kardashian horde. No, but, but, but the idea was you had a religious people, the Bajorans, who had to reclaim their dignity after they had been oppressed for generations right. by the uh, oppressive race of the Kardashians. Yes, Kardashians. <laughs> uh, but again, the Federation was a facilitator, and they wouldn't. They tried not to get directly involved. So, so that being said, I feel again like immigrants. There was pity on them, or again, sort of a standoff uh, approach that we may have been taking in the government, but we were not uh, vilifying them. You know what's interesting is that. Prior to Deep Space Nine, most of the most of the the, the action, the storylines took place in space. Yes, and so that means they're on a ship. Occasionally, they visit somebody's planet, you know, whatever, or somebody else, or or somebody else's ship, right? Um, and this is interesting for a couple of couple of uh, uh, reasons. Uh, first is with the idea of immigration. Um, or not just Im- immigrants, but the, the, the factors that have caused them to migrate from one, one place to, a net, uh, to another. So the, the problems that these individuals have had, mm-hmm. uh, they are very much different. Uh, they are they're, they're approached differently when it's inviting somebody into an actual uh, uh, space, you know, a land with resources. Uh, where they can build a home, they can get social services, uh, as opposed to our engagement being based around, this is my ship. You know, I pulled up, right? I pulled up and I see what you're going through. And I might be able to offer you some military aid um, right now. I might be able to give you uh, temporary exi- uh, temporary um, uh, protection. But, and, but it's not everybody. Right, it's yeah. just it's, it's it's a couple one individual two so it's very if it, it's very um, exclusive it's a limited um, it's a limited scope uh, that you're able to to be effective or address whatever those issues uh, are in. It feels like you know when people can be hands off and very passive about it. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's so much easier I'll say to be accepting, but once you actually have to you know put yourself face to face with a person in need a lot of times people don't want to they, they, they don't want to be faced with that mm-hmm. and so i mean we see that 
in society, and so you see it in some of the different types of stories uh, where where there's more uh, conflict, physical conflict, when you've got these issues face to face. Yeah, and, and I think the idea of dealing with somebody as a potential neighbor, as opposed to dealing with someone as a a rescue, yeah. th- these are these are different. And it was presented in a way uh, at the outset, uh, as far as Star Trek, Star Trek is concerned, where it stayed on that level of we don't have to worry about sharing resources. We just have to worry about being civil to one another. We have to deal with individuals, but we don't have to really, we don't have to deal with the day-to-day operations, you know, the day-to-day uh, factors of life that everybody has to deal with, you know, food, clothing, and shelter. Uh, not just for today, but how are you going to live for the next, you know, 30, 40 years? But you couldn't, but you couldn't get to that point, though, without first having um, at least a basic trust and um, an acceptance of one another. So that, that platform, that meeting in space was, yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. important. But it, the, the transfer of it to uh, living as neighbors, is, is that's, that's the other part that we don't really get to see too much of. Yeah, I mean, well, what I did like, though, it just in the focusing on Deep Space Nine, because it, it was in that, on space, in the latter episodes, they really, again, getting into the storylines, they would focus on this group called the Maquis. Okay. And so the Maquis, they were a group of uh, Federation and Bajoran people who took the fight to the Cardassians because they, they didn't like the civility. So, again, I always looked at... Huh. So, so I looked at okay. Deep Space Nine as sort of like a, a Casablanca in space. Okay. But when they when they focus on the Maquis, there were a lot of storylines where characters would say, the Federation is so lucky and the Federation is so um, so rich with their... that they can be moral. Whereas as a Bajoran who has just come out of this uh, occupation, which they called it in the show... They're still looking for blankets, and they still need medicine, and they still need food. And so these people were often, you, had, you would always have a conflict between these groups and the Federation because they would say things like, they would imply that morality is not going to fill my belly. Mm. <laughs> we don't have the, the technology. The oppressed. Yeah, so this is, and, uh, and on the show they had a technology called a replicator. Okay. Which is just, in a sense, the ideal part. This would be the ideal piece of technology in a just uh, society where all you have to do is ask and it's given to you. Wow. And so a replicator would make you food, clothing, medicine, material. You just ask. I need some tea. You get tea. I need some shoes. You get shoes. If these people don't have that, uh, the, what I like, they would they would show how they were... Uh, there was animosity and almost not so much jealousy, but contempt mm. because the people, the haves, did not understand why the have-nots were struggling. And it wasn't that they wanted what they had. They just wanted the understanding for the Federation people to know that these ideals are just what they are, ideals, and they may not be practical in a real-world situation where you have to fight for survival so those were those storylines became very interesting later in the series you know and taking that outside of the story and and putting that on top of 
relationships and sentiments that um, we'll say, I don't want to say most Americans, right? Because there, there, there's a lot of different perspectives, but there's one that is being, uh, that is being pushed and promoted, and that is immigrants represent you having less. Immigrants represent you not having the job that you want to have, or you not having the home, or you not having physical security. Uh, it represents you not having opportunity. And, and to heck with whatever your situation is, right? Uh, that, that really doesn't matter. It's just, it's very inward, inward facing. Uh, and I can't help but connect um, that sentiment where, was it the, the Bajorn? Yes. So they said uh, that um, morality has a place and it's not, it, it basically has no place for those who are starving. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what they're, what they're asserting. And, right? Yeah. And, but, and, but what I appreciate again about just the Star Trek universe in general versus, because it is an ideal versus what you have now is the idea to be part of the Federation was also to be, to have this global civility. Right. And so what the Federation would try to do is aid worlds and aid planets to make them stable so they have these resources so then, you know, you can be a member of this and you can be part of this. So so it's, it's tough to get to that point. But what I see now in the real world, it's what is distressing is, you know, the people condemn an, an investment in kindness to yeah. say, uh, if yes, we have people coming over, we have immigrants, and, and a lot of them are fleeing something. And it's not about turning people away, but it's helping them hearing what's going on and then trying to help them hear and trying to help them in their home so they can return to a safe place mm. versus just looking at these people as if saying, okay, if they've run, if they have to run, obviously they are, uh, for using our, our president's term, you know, the, these people are infesting our, yeah. our country because they are escaping their own versus trying to again look at them with an open heart to say okay they're running from something we need to help you and we need to help you solve your problems yeah. to so that you can be stable there and in turn if you're stable we will all be more stable and then that inclusiveness breeds diversity which breeds more ideas which raises the whole which raises the group when you include people and, and that and that's what I that's what I liked about or what I do like about the general Star Trek message, mm -hmm. you do have this idea. You do have a, a, these people who are idealistic, and sometimes it's unrealistic. But still, it's unrealistic in the sense of I want the best for people, even if there aren't the best intentions of everybody. If I can just find the best intentions of some people, maybe that'll be enough. Versus assuming the worst about people, and I, f I feel like that message is being fed to us from powers that be yeah and which makes it which is going to well I'm, I'm sure we're going to start seeing that translated into more more literature more science fiction when we've got more of these draconian type of worlds to play with 
Yeah, uh, and, and I go back and I just reiterate uh, that when you see cooperation among uh, differing uh, species, right? Because we're not just talking about we're not just talking about ethnicity, ethnicities. Mm -hmm. We're talking about different uh, origins and yes. just compositions Verbal, and different yeah. abilities that it, that people have. Uh, but when you see a, a, a cooperation or a willingness to, for people to sit down to uh, to dialogue and work with each other, it really does, at least for the, for the conscious person, it should make them take stock of how we relate to one another um, as human beings. Like, how could you do it in the movies, but you can't do it in, in, in real life? And this, I would just say my favorite Star Trek episode mm -hmm. is one called Darmok. Okay. And uh, it was basically just two people. It was Jean-Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart, and it was this uh, alien general, played by uh, Paul Winfield. Oh, okay. Like and yeah. in this episode, Picard had met this alien race that no one could communicate with they, because they only talked, they spoke in metaphor. Of course, it was, so they were recluse and they were, they were at odds with everyone. There was no trust. Mm -hmm. So what happened was this other alien race had marooned Picard and their captain on this uh, planet where they both of them had to work together to face off against this beast. Okay. Again, they couldn't understand each other, but they learned to understand each other in trying to survive. And at first, it, 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 because it's because it's television, because it's entertainment, you're thinking this is done in a way they're, they're trying to trap the captain. And we think that the Federation, they're the ones with the moral superiority and, and they understand how to, the communi how to communicate. But, the different, but it really was flipped. This other culture knew that you're not really gonna understand each other unless you put your lives on the line. And this is part of the, the you've got to go beyond diplomacy. You have to go, uh, you have to really uh, put, you, you've got to think outside the box. Yeah. And in this, uh, Paul Winfield's character, I mean, it was life and death, and he ended up dying. But he died in the attempt to have communication. And so they were able to form a common bond and a common story. But just to say that this was the length in this universe that people went to have understanding of each other. Right. And that was which episode? It's you called Darmok. D a r m o k, okay, uh, and right. it's 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 one of the best uh, insightful Star Trek episodes ever. Okay, well, we have um, we've been yapping about Star Trek, and <laughs> but we we will get into Bright, and um, what's the other movie? Uh, District District Nine. Nine. Yeah, but before we do that, we're gonna take a short break, uh, and we'll come when we come back. We will go ahead and get into that, okay? So this is Radio Slam on WCEV 1450 AM. It is Movie Talk with yours truly and Bubba Murray. We'll be right back. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat, I'm stupid. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. 
They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what, father, what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love Love your son, you need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make them breakfast. Yep. I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me, or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el If you are just tuning in, you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And you will also find us wherever you get your podcasts. If that's iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, or SoundCloud, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA as well. All right, folks, uh, Bubba and I, it is movie talk. We are talking about uh, the theme is uh, is immigrants, right? The portrayal of immigrants, how we see how we see them, how we relate to them, and as we know, a lot of what we, I guess you could call it, social programming, uh, it comes from from Hollywood. Yes. Right. It comes from Hollywood, uh, and so we got off on the Star Trek, but. Let's let's move it into uh, let's start off with, with with Bright. Okay. Right. And actually, it's I think we, we talked about we talked about Bright uh, a while back a little bit. You know, not necessarily with regard to uh, not, not immigration. It was. We, I mean, we reviewed it and just went yeah. over it as yeah, yeah. A, just from just from the fanboy yeah. perspective. But but as a as a uh, as a critique on on culture and, and, and our social. Uh, interaction that's a different that's a different level right so once again going to the extremes to uh, to give us an opportunity to look at ourselves right because they're not huge there are differences absolutely between between in the human family but the differences that they show in this particular society are so so stark and so over the top that um, we come to conclusions that we sometimes miss just in, in, in regular, uh, in, in our regular days. Yeah. So. so with Bright for me, I felt that was more of a, a, a satire critique on this like socioeconomic mm. structure here and, and how you've got this, this uh, economic caste system. Yeah. Where from what I remember, well, because in this movie you, you have the, Fairy tale creatures, uh, orcs, orcs, uh, fairies, elves. Was it elves? 
uh, the elves. The yeah, yeah. Oh, fairies right. were the were like the flies. Right. He killed one of them. Humans, of course. Yeah. But they had all lived together. So this wasn't something where they appeared out of nowhere. Mm. But there had been a there had been a war where orcs had been on at the, the time at the wrong side, side of it, mm-hmm. and the humans and elves had prevailed. Right. And so now the orcs were the lower class for the most part. Then you had humans, which would have been the middle level, and then the the elves, who were the upper class and the privileged. And the and with this, for me, it felt like it it was signaling where things may go, mm-hmm. because it was beyond just you had affluent people and you had people who were uh, poverty stricken. There was also you had areas that you could not go into. So mm-hmm. so this was a fantasy Los Angeles where the elves lived in Beverly Hills. They had all the swanky shops. And what always struck me is in, in one of the earlier scenes when the guys are going to work, uh, Will Smith is, one of, is a partner with the only orc on the police system. So this is mm-hmm. different. You've got someone who's from this lower caste now in even though it's a loose role, he's in a position of authority. But there's a point where they're driving to work and, and they're going through Elf Town. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith didn't even want to go through Elf Town because he said, you know, this is for elves only. Not Humans can't even go there. Right. But this orc guy says, hey, I'm going to go where I want to go. He's more laid back. But I feel like, again, the direction we're going, this, this mental warfare that's being played on the American people that they they are using economics as a weapon. And I'm glad you point to economics because I hadn't thought of it necessarily in just in that light. I would look I, originally I looked at it more in terms of uh, kind of a stand-ins for for race, right? But I think in revisiting it I think it's definitely a lot much more than just race, and it really is an economic, is an economic um, separation. So the elves are the rich folks, the humans are the middle class, and the orcs are the lower class. Right. Because you found the orcs generally, that's where they were. They were, you know, kind of just hanging out. They they looked like they were the underworld. Yes. Right. And they could, and and there was no mobility. Right. There was no mobility out of one. And, area to the next. And what I know, I remember in this movie, the stereotype was the only time you'd find them was like playing football. So it was just yeah. this idea of the only way they're going to get out is probably through athletics or entertainment. Right. And yes. you know, where have we heard that before? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. And, and I feel again, something else is just parroting uh, our, our society today with, with our current administration. And, because I find less this this idea of following Mr. 45 that it's a racial thing, which a lot of it is, but also it is so economic. And there's a, this lie that's being perpetrated of being able to protect the lower class, but you're going to see that these people are, are going to be uh, marginalized even more. And you know what? What they're actually giving is what was given to lower classes generations and generations before. And the only thing that was really given was a sense of superiority. Yeah. Not any actual physical uh, benefit, no, re- no real 
uh, opportunity for social mobility, nothing to really enhance their lives, but a psychological benefit. So um, in looking at this, it seems pretty clear that the immigrant in this, in this instance, because we don't talk about the elves so much, right? Because right. elves, elves don't look threatening. That's the other thing. The orc look threatening. And, uh, and they're the ones, because they're the lower class, they, they'll do the job no one else wants to do, but then we don't want them to do that job because you're taking the job away from somebody else. Right, so they're assigning. So it's, it's this, it's this sub, subliminal um, uh, idea that they're projecting in this that the immigrant has a place and is going to be at the bottom. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, and then, I mean, get to clean up, and and then if because if they do use that opportunity to move ahead, they they aren't to be trusted, or there's something wrong with the system. If someone who you see as an outsider is again is in a position of again authority, because this this one orc in the show, right, uh, he is seen as a outcast from his own group. Mm-hmm. There, there is a clip in the movie with Joe Rogan, who is another host, who talks a lot about conspiracies. But he portrayed this character in the movie talking with another orc character. When he's saying, oh, look, they've got an orc cop. You know, He must be a total sellout to his people. Right. And the orc that he's interviewing says, well, this guy isn't even part of an orc house. So he doesn't even belong with us. So here you have... And the idea of the outsider who's trying to attain something, but then they don't belong anywhere. They're mm-hmm. going to be demonized by all sides. And, and then this also lends itself to another interpretation, which is America the melting pot, right? The idea that, um, that this is a place where, where different uh, ethnicities and cultures come together, and out of it, uh, there's produced something that is unique that you're not going to find anywhere else. But what they don't tell you uh, is that, and they don't say it, but it, it's sort of been said now that the mixing, the melting is done. That now when you come here, you don't have anything to add, right? There's nothing for you to add to the culture of the United States of America. And that was represented by um, the orc, and I don't remember the character's name. But he had his teeth filed down, right, right? He had his teeth filed down. And that was also something that, that made him visibly um, orc and something that, uh, that the orc, other orc took some pride in having that. And that was a distinguishing feature. So once again, this idea of erasing yourself from the public space in order to fit in, not adding to. But, right. but assimilating instead and, of and, and, and then a type of assimilation, and, and, and just to say, like, I, I look at different types of assimilation. There's a, there's a type of where I'm just following, you know, norms that it's not about losing culture, but it's just, you know, there's some cultural norms that you have. But what was also interesting is how, uh, I guess, we, we follow Will Smith through this journey. Sure. And... Again, another interesting thing in the beginning where Will Smith, though, I like that his character is realistic because even though he is prejudiced, he recognizes he's wrong. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's in yeah. some ways all you could ask. In in one of the first scenes, yeah. his daughter, he so in this he splits 
he's co-parenting his daughter, uh, you know, part-time. And the daughter tells him that his, her mother said that all orcs are stupid and his, and the reason his, the Will Smith has had problems is because this orc character is an idiot. And then Will Smith tells her that you shouldn't say that everybody's different. Everybody's special in their own way. And you need to accept people for who they are. Orcs, you should accept orcs, you should accept elves. You know, there's no one is going to be better or worse than someone else. Just judge them for who they are. Right. Now, that's what that's the lesson he's giving his daughter. Mm-hmm. But we know his character doesn't believe that. Was this right heart. before he went out the, and, and, and smashed the fairy? Yes. It's right, yeah. It, no, 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 no. It's right... It's right after that. Okay. Because he smashed the fairy, then his partner Nick, it was Nick, it's the partner. Yes. He came to pick him up and drove up on the lawn. Right. And Will Smith sees this character drive up on the lawn. He says, why are you driving up on the lawn? And Nick the orc says, well, you're, it's dead. It's not, it doesn't matter. Right. And so Will Smith is about to get so angry. And then the daughter comes out and says, and tells Will Smith to stop yelling at him because he is an individual and should be treated you know, fairly. And and then Nick the Orca says, See, she's a smart girl. You're really teaching her right. And so it's it's funny, right after he tells her this uh the lesson of what you should do, mm-hmm. uh, he goes out and turns on him. Now this is to me, that is what political correctness is. Mm-hmm. If if an idea of what it is where it's just treat everybody with with respect. You don't right. have to like me, just treat me with respect. Right. And it's no more than that, it's not gonna kill you. So anyway, I, I like that. I, I really like that part, that he knew what he was doing and what he was saying was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and he's trying not to uh, pass on this prejudice that he has. But he's self-aware enough to know he has it. He developed that, those types of uh, sentiments and thinking from somewhere. They just didn't mm-hmm. magically appear, right? So the biases that we have, and I think, uh, and I'm in, a, uh, in complete agreement with you, that the first thing is that we have to recognize that we all have bias to, to some degree um, and, and to be honest about what those bias are for ourselves and then work to, uh, to, to change those things. But it's all, it's all embedded in, first and foremost, treating people with, uh, with dignity and respect, which is not a part of the uh, conversation around immigration uh, that, that we have right now. With, with this administration. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is also, again, when you see someone who is uh, being oppressed mm-hmm. or or fleeing something, it, it's assumed that, they, again, they don't deserve respect. I mean, you, you think of them as, again, as a victim or as something less than human just because of their state. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where I feel the conversation be- begins with a lot of yeah. how we see these things. Uh, and when we get on to uh, District 9... Yeah, let's, uh, let's segue right on Okay. Again. Well, I would say that's... <laughs> yeah, because, because with that movie, you mentioned before people looking like insects or... In this movie, the slang for the aliens in District 9 were prawns because they had a look they look sort of like fish, or they look like, like they look like shrimp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
without even knowing who they are or what they are or what type of intellect they possess, again, you have decided that they are less worthy than you. Right. And then so what's, it, you know, it, it's science fiction, so I can't say you're less than human or dehumanizing you because by, by the fact that you're not human, you have been dehumanized. But uh, you, yeah, they are, we have taken the idea of respect or being able to value your, you as an individual or as a culture because you came to us in a state of peril. Uh, and that's definitely... Yeah, they crash-landed. Yeah, they they yeah. crash-landed in this movie. Then there's had a ship that was just hovering over. So there's this reminder mm -hmm. to the people in... Uh, I think this is in Johannesburg that you see this yeah. huge building. I mean, this huge ship flying over. Now, of course, this story will have... Uh, has so many more levels for people from South Africa just because of... Apartheid. Apartheid, just the short time that we've had yeah. since they were the last ones to really have that uh, as a policy. Mm -hmm. Not saying that we didn't, but they were just one of the more recent people. So so you had a lot of uh, satire and, and allusions to apartheid with that. Just these people look different. They aren't they aren't worthy. They're obviously not human. They're they're vulgar. They have different culture. That's another thing that we look at people. They have a different culture than us, and so just because of that, we're going to see them again as not worthy of any sort of respect. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think in this group, did they like sour milk? I think so. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like just yeah. sidebar. I just feel like that's a now that's the alien cliche. I feel I've seen in a million shows where they just love sour milk. Alien Nation, I think they like sour milk. Um, did yeah. Alf like sour milk? Was was V? Were they into that also? I think they probably were. Yeah. No, Alf just ate the cats. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but but it's, you know what okay. though? When you make when you made that comment about uh, how they look like you know look, look like prawns, I think there's also another there's another message for us in there. Because um, even uh, as as human beings, right? We have people who have, uh, they have disabilities, uh, facial deformities, um, uh, people who have been injured in, you know, in, in accidents or, or whatever, uh, and have, that has rendered their appearance to be different, not what we consider to be a regular or normal uh, face or normal right. appearance. Mm -hmm. uh, and that same type of revulsion, um, it, 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 accompanies, it, it, it accompanies their entrance into places, uh, their uh, their dismissal, right? And and it's it's a lot easier to make that point once again with the exaggeration of science fiction. Uh, say that you have these shrimp people, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and because they look because they look a particular way, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give kindness. I'm not gonna uh, listen to your concerns, even though I know you are in a position that you don't want to be in. Everybody saw you crash, but when we pushed all of you to the outskirts, we don't give you an opportunity to, to integrate into society. Um, and this is this movie's what, about almost 10 years old? Yeah, I think. yeah. So when I think about that movie then, it makes me also think about how we have in turn, you know, when we, uh, with the Japanese Americans, World War II, uh, put them in internment camps because they automatically became different. 
the camps that are they're talking about doing tent cities now. now you well, know, I mean, they, well, that we are doing. Now. Yes, yes, that we are doing right now, and it goes back to once you once you find a reason to put somebody out, then well, it will becomes you know, easy. Yeah. And it, it's interesting too when you say that because again with with that with these tent cities that they had in in District Nine, the idea that it was science fiction and and it was happening in what we would have called a uh, in a more uh, developed nation city whatever, uh, but they were still putting people in these things. It was part of the the fiction and the fantasy of the science fiction right versus now we've gone back to doing this yeah for and real it, and it and this it, you would think it would be ludicrous to someone but no now it's policy but just a quick thing you you, you made me think when you brought up v mm -hmm. that that show both iterations you know the the 80s version and modern version or the 2000s version they were aware of that idea of how you look will allow you to get through. Now, the same way our current administration had said you had these S-hole countries versus the people we want that were basically the Nordic countries, and right. V, they all came down looking really great, like humans, everybody, great complexion and shape. It was terrific. Because they knew once you ripped off their face, they looked like ugly lizards. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. so then... And once they became the lizard people, you're like, oh, my God, they're all evil. Even though you had some good lizard people, you knew. The V and V, they knew humans would not trust ugly lizards, so they had to look uh, they had to look like Hollywood stars. And so it's just parallel to what's going on now. Uh, our current administration would say, these people need to come from central casting. And it would be more central casting for a an infomercial, not necessarily uh, not necessarily a show, mm -hmm. versus people who are just in need, who are struggling, who need help. So that's just something that uh, popped but into my head when I was thinking about that. But I want to go back to this. Session, and I think this, that's a great point. That's a great point. I think it, all, it goes back to uh, this expectation that the stranger, the alien, the immigrant is not supposed to be greeted with... Um, is not supposed to be greeted with compassion or empathy, uh, and is not supposed to be seen as an individual. But, and but in crossing the border and entering into the new society, is supposed to forget everything that made them the the person, the man, the woman, child that they are, and now take on completely uh, take on mannerisms uh, and taste and and just become someone else to put on that mask, <laughs> right, and. This, once again, this goes in complete uh, contradiction to, for what we, for generations, right? For generations, our whole public relations campaign was about uh, this idea of a nation that was, you know, out of e pluribus unum, you know, uh, one, you know, out of many, you know, out of many, one. Mm. And, but that is really, that has turned into a really hollow uh, invitation or promise and now it is if you're not already in you can't get in right you got to be a member to get in and to be in you got to be a member uh, so <laughs> it's that it's that uh, catch-22 
that those people who are who do want to come here and want to take on who want to uh, as you were talking about earlier who want to in integrate, right? They want to add to the economy. They want to work. They want to you know enjoy the same physical uh, safety and opportunity that everybody else appreciates uh, that's here, but they are relegated to the out the out uh, the outskirts. Yeah. Just sort of, it just made me think, okay, going back to Star Trek for a second. So yes. with Star Trek and Star Federation, Trek. Mm -hmm. we want to integrate. They're about integration. Right. We've got the Borg, who are our assimilation. Oh, yeah. So then it makes me want, now we've got, you know, Tarantino's got the next Star Trek movie. Uh, they're going to have the same cast. I'm okay. curious, which direction will Tarantino take this Star Trek rebooted universe is he more of an integrator is he more of an assimilator or is it just more of uh just violence <laughs> you know i don't he he deals with diverse casts but he does not deal with them in a way where there is a uh there's any continuity that there's any type of uh uh compassion or growth that comes about it's it's more about just showing the differences between people as they interact, and usually with some hostility, uh, and very little, you know, there, there's very little uh, warmth or, or depth, I feel like, uh, or relationship building. And other than, you could say Julius and, um, uh, in Pulp Fiction, right? Julius and, what, what was uh, John Travolta's character's? Oh, um. Um, can't remember his name, but anyway, but the two of them, had this working relationship. We didn't. Get, they they were introduced with their relationship. We didn't get to see them build one. But if you look at other, um, if you look at like the Hateful Eight. Yes. Yeah, right. Kurt Russell and uh, uh, Samuel um, uh, Jackson. Mm -hmm. Right. They, their relationship was not one of. They, 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 I didn't feel like there was any real growth. Uh, in there. So I don't. I I, I don't oh, think. Vincent Vega. Sorry, just threw that in there. Th yes. Yes. Okay. So. So all, all that to say, I'm not that optimistic about um, about Quentin Tarantino building on this this legacy of inclusion and dialogue. Uh, I think it's going to be much more gritty in your face, you know, and much less see, PC in the worst in the worst. Yeah, see, that's what I think they've lost. Uh, again, just taking it kind of full circle. Yeah, I think they lost that idea of that. What makes Star Trek great, great is the optimism that goes through. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's not about optimism. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Well, I think we've done it again. Radio Islam family, we have come to the close of another edition of Radio Islam. Thank you for tuning in. We thank our engineers over at WCEV for making sure we come through loud and clear. I'm your host, producer Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer, Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. Uh, with that being said, we're going to leave you now as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.